to Tales of Panam, a Hunger Games podcast. My name is Claire, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm glad to have you all joining me this week. Make sure to check out my social media, which is at Tales of Panem on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok for updates, episode information, and more. So this week, as I've said, I'm doing my little like trilogy wrap up, basically just share any of my final thoughts and answer all of your guys' questions on the first three books and all of the movies before I start getting into ballad because that's going to be a whole new fun thing for us. Um, So I'm just going to jump right into it. I have a lot of questions that were sent in to me, which is very exciting. Um, So I'm going to start with those just to make sure I have time to get to them. And also, I apologize if I don't get to your question. There were a lot more than I was expecting. Um, And so I probably won't have time to answer them all. So let's start off right off the bat. This question is asking my favorite character and that character's most memorable scene. Um, I'm sure most of us know, but for anyone who's new here, Hamish is my favorite character. Uh, literally ever, not just in this series, like he is my favorite fictional character. Most memorable scene. See, my favorite scene of his is the scene after the Court of Quell announcement where Katniss goes to his house and is like, can you promise me that you'll volunteer in Peta's place or at the very least do everything you can to save him? And he's like, yeah, and, and all that stuff happens. Um, however, most memorable scene. I mean, I think that, I mean, a big one is obviously like in Catching Fire when they watch his, when Katniss and Peter watch his games. So it's the first like actual glimpse we get into his life before the series begins. And it gives us a lot of like context to his character. So I think most memorable, that one's definitely up there. Um, I don't know. I personally think all of his scenes are really memorable because I could literally quote like any of them to you but I think that one's probably the most. Uh, Next question. Is there a character who was killed during the war that you would have liked to have seen survive and why them? I mean, this is kind of tricky because obviously there's characters that I'm like, I wish they didn't die, but like narratively they kind of had to. Like, obviously I would love to have seen like Prim survive or Finnick or even like Cinna, but I'm going to go with Boggs for this one, actually, just because I'm very interested to see what he would have done after the war because he had already expressed like that he didn't really trust coin like he's the one who warns Katniss that coin is kind of like out to get her um and also he ended up being like a really like reliable support system for her in the brief time that they had gotten closer um and when they were fighting together so one I think he could have been a positive figure in Katniss's life after the war but also I just want to know what he would end up doing like would he and we know that he had a family in, from the books too. So, so like, would he have continued to support Coin? Would he have started sort of like rallying against her in an election? And this obviously before she was killed. Um, and I also think that he could have been there for Katniss after she killed Coin in a way that not a lot of people could have been. And, but yeah, I, I do really, am curious to know like what he would have done had he not died. So, and also I think he was like, a great character, but also very much his side character. So, like, if he had gotten to live a little longer, maybe we could have seen a little more. But I also think that his death had a very important role in, like, when it happened, too, was very important. So, but yeah, I think that's going to be my answer to that. Another one also is um, Portia. This is a little less that I, like, I mean, obviously, I wish she hadn't died. 
But I just wish we'd gotten to see more of her in general, either before her death or if she had gone to survive and play a larger role in Mockingjay. I just want to see more of her, her relationship to PETA. Like, I think that having her around after he'd been hijacked could have been very interesting because she is a person that, yes, his experience with her is linked to Katniss, but they had a very, like, independent relationship because Katniss never really interacted with her much. They weren't that close, but, like, if if Katniss's relationship with Cinna is any indication, Peta and Portia were probably very close, so. And she obviously was supportive of, like, the rebellion and of Cinna's plans and his designs and stuff like that and was a big part of that, too, so I would love to see, like, how she could have factored into all of that. Um, and then this question kind of goes along with that. Well, is there a surviving character that you would like a more detailed look into their life post-war? Um, this is not going to be shocking to anyone that I'm going to say Joanna Mason because we don't really have any information about what she did after the war. Um, and I think that her, her especially, she really needed to like go and find some peace. Uh, because obviously everyone went through it, but she was a person who like was really like refused help and and kind of was like had these really strong defense mechanisms built up. So I would love to see what she did after. Um, I did talk about this when I did my episode on her about like what I think she was up to, but I would love like a canonical answer. And just like a look at like, did she end up having finding that like peace or that happiness um, or not, which is equally likely in my mind. Um, also, like, I know we know what happens to Hamish after, but like, give me more. Give me like 10 years, 20 years, 30 years down the line. OK, like I need a day by day account of what he did for the rest of his life. But again, that's more of a personal thing. I think Joanna is the one that I'm like, I would really like to see this. Another person actually, though. I would like to know what Cressida ended up doing because she was obviously like a, a big like up-and-coming director in the capital and so I want to know like how she ended up putting those skills to use afterwards like did she continue to work in politics or did she she like really pursue that art form in, like independently of that so I would like to know. I also think that she's really cool and really slay so anyway Suzanne girl you know my email is always open if you want to like email me about this. Next question is, what do you think Effie was doing during the time after the arena blew up and the war was ended? And I'm guessing this is meaning in the books, because obviously in the movie, we actually get to see a bit more of her, but in the book, she's kind of not there. And then she shows up towards the end. So we, what we know is that she was like basically rescued by Plutarch because she was presumably like locked up by the capital. Like they, even though in the book especially she was not obviously like directly involved with the rebellion that we know of she still was like Katniss and Peter's escort like she she had a lot of interaction with them and the people around them that were involved um so I'm guessing that the capital just kind of like held her and then like once they won the war they like freed her quote unquote but I don't think that she was being like tortured or anything I think that she was just probably like imprisoned just not that interesting of an answer but like <laughs> that's what I think obviously in the movie she gets rescued earlier and is in district 13 for the like the entirety of the film so this next one is what do you think about Katniss and Prim's mother specifically her actions after Prim was killed and I think that their mother is a really interesting character because we are never being asked to view her as like good or bad it she always kind of falls in this like in between which I think is a lot more realistic 
because like no she's not a perfect mother and like you know yes she did she did lose her husband in a very tragic accident so like I'm not going to sit here and be like how dare she like have like be in a bad mental state after her husband literally died but also you know she did have two young children and they were kind of left to fend for themselves which is a lot of why Katniss has ended up doing all the things that she does um because her mother like wasn't present enough to do them and so I think that you know it's I'm not gonna sit here and be like she's the worst she's a terrible mother blah 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 but also like we can't ignore the consequences that that had for Prim and Katniss I mean they literally almost died like they almost starved to death would have if it weren't for Peta's family giving them that bread in terms of her actions after Prim was killed I think that it makes a lot of sense that she didn't want to return to District 12 and I I think I even talked about this too, but the all goes into the whole like people grieve in different ways thing. Um, and so like for her going back and facing it was not like an option, like she couldn't do it. Um, she ends up going to district four and, and work in a hospital there. And I think that like, I don't know, it's complicated because it's easy to view Katniss as an adult at this point. And like, technically she's like just barely 18 or like about to be 18 by the end of the by the end of Mockingjay obviously not the epilogue but like the main story but like she's not an adult she's still a kid and like she ends up basically having to have like Haymitch as her guardian and obviously he's got his own stuff going on so he's like not really able to be that for her um so she kind of gets left there are people there for her like she's not left with no one really but like she does kind of need her mother but I, again, it's another thing where I'm like, I get not being able to go back and face that. And they, and they do, in the book, we do know that they keep in touch. Like there's, um, after Buttercup comes back, Katniss says that she like calls her mother and like cries with her about Prim's death. So it's kind of the same thing of like, you know, she still had a daughter. She still should have been there for her. But like, I don't want to sit here and like criticize her every move and be like, oh my God, she's literally the worst. Because, like, I, I know that it is really hard, you know, so. But I think that she's a really char- interesting character also in, like, how we see Katniss's relationship with her develop and how she desperately wants to fix that relationship. But she can never, like, really forgive her for, for like, checking out because she, again, like, she was the one who had to carry the weight of that. Prim obviously felt it too, but Katniss was the one who had to, like, do the work to make up for it. And their relationship does improve. Like I was saying, like they they get closer. She starts to kind of forgive her, but it's never going to be like the way it was before their father died. And I, same thing with when she goes to District 4. I don't think Katniss like blames her for that or is upset with her for that, but it's still like she's a girl. Her mother, she like needs her mother to be there with her, especially because they're both going through this really overwhelming loss that they can only really share with each other. Um, next question. Which district would you want to be from or which one would you think you'd best fit in at? Um, I always say this and I'm going to give the same answer. District 8, which is the like textile district who like make all the the uniforms and stuff and and, like fabrics, stuff like that. I am a costume designer in real life. So (laughs) I just think that would be the most the best fit for me. I mean, like, if you think about it, the job that that translates to in the in-universe is being a stylist. Um, however, I don't particularly want to do that job because you're literally, like, dressing children up to go die. Um, but, like, 
there obviously have to be some version of stylus outside of the games for like capital wealthy capital citizens like like it is you know in the real world there are like celebrity stylists and stuff so like in theory that but like again I don't think that I would be from the capital um so I would have to go with district eight which is like what best lines up to my actual life so that's my answer to that the sixth one is kind of interesting it says what do you think caused district four to become so rebellious despite being a career district um which I think is is so true like when by the time we get to the quell district four is involved in this rebellion like Finnick is a huge part of it he's one of the most significant members in terms of the tributes or the victors I guess but you know what I mean um but it's also it's interesting because in the movies district four is never really presented as a career district and like even in the books like yes they are a career district but like Finnick O'Dare won his games at 14 years old and usually what happens is like they train the kids until they're 18 and then they volunteer so either he was just really good and volunteered at age 14 but more likely he like just got reaped randomly so it already seems like district four is kind of like the outlier of the career districts um but i think that like even district one like even though their tributes were not involved like um cashmere and gloss still they the only ones that were like die hard loyal to the capital until the very end were district two which we know because that's the last district they have to go to to get on their side because even by that point even district one has joined them and so i think it's just like you know even though the career districts are in theory being treated a little better they're still not being treated great and like district one yes it's luxury goods so they're a little bit better off but again district two houses basically their entire military and that's where like peacekeepers are from and stuff like that so obviously the capital is going to give them the best treatment because that is going to be the biggest necessity if a war does break out which it does the thing they're going to need is the military and the weaponry. And that's what District 2 has because it was District 13 until they were destroyed. So I think that's kind of why. And again, like they like seem to be kind of the like some years they're more with the careers, some years they're not. Like that kind of thing, if that makes any sense. Um but yeah, I think it's just like they didn't really receive special treatment from the capital. Like I think they were better off than maybe like a district 11 or 12, but still not enough to where like if a rebellion that has like real potential breaks out, they're going to support it. Um, <laughs> what's a book, <laughs> sorry, what's a book scene you wish would have made it into the movies? And what's one thing you think the movies did better than the books? I mean, I have like hundreds of answers to the first part of this, um, but my biggest one, which I talked about last week, has got to be the scene where Hamish is like, stop being so rude to PETA. We made a deal to try to save him, remember? Which, as we recall, almost did make it into the movie, but then was cut. It's fine. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples of things that I wish had gotten in the movies. I mean, there's a lot of like deleted scene things that I'm like, this should have been in there. Um, obviously I wish that Hamish's games would have been in Catching Fire. However, I think I did when we got to that part of the book or maybe that movie, whatever, talk about why I think that it worked better that they didn't. Um, a large part of that being a personal issue, which is that they would have had to cast someone to play a young Hamish Abernathy and like, what if they did a bad job casting them? Or like, what if it was someone I didn't like, you know? So better to just be safe than sorry. Um, 
I think I all the training scenes in Mockingjay obviously I have strong feelings about but in terms of like actual contribution to the movie some of the Joanna Mason scenes because she kind of got like the short end of the stick she didn't really get to do very much in the movie or not nearly as much as she did in the book anyway I wish they would have kept I keep just saying things that I just thought would have been funny if they were in the movie but whatever I wish they would have kept <laughs> in the first book when Hamish and Effie are like prepping Katniss and Peter for their interviews. That's when Hamish is like, you have the charm of a dead slug to Katniss. And they have like, that's when, that's the start of their beef. Well, their beef started like the first time they interacted, but like, that's really, but that's also when it's like, wow, we're really similar <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Um, one thing I think the movies did better than the books, Cato in the book is just another career tribute. But in the movie, they gave him this, this, these, this dialogue like in the scene right before he dies where he's like sort of realizes that like he's just been raised to die his whole life like he spent his whole life being trained to fight in these games and like no one ever actually cared about like the meaning that his life could have had and and that he just like everyone else like the careers are no less of a piece in the capitals games than the the other tributes are even though they think that they're on like a higher level the capital still doesn't care about them it's all just about entertainment and it's all about control. And so I love that he got to have that moment toward the end because like, I don't know, it just makes him a more interesting character and like expands on the the themes that were already present in the novel, but in a way that is more like in your face to a viewer. Next question. How do you think the games would have gone if Gail's name was reaped instead of Peta's? Why would you want me to think about this? No, no. I'm. But like, <laughs> okay, fine, 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 fine. Here's the thing. Katniss probably could have won the games on her own. Okay? Whoever the other District 12 tribute was, whether or not there was a rule change to allow them both to win, she probably could have won anyway. She's really smart. She's a skilled fighter. Like, However, that does not mean we can discredit the role Peta played in her victory because she would have had a lot of sponsors already based on her like skill and, and a lot of that came from like Cinna's looks that he styled for her. But a lot of that also came from what Peta did and like making the people of the Capitol care so much about her and his like declaration of love for her. Um, so he obviously had a big contribution to that. And here's the thing. And this is not me like hating Gail. This is just tr like truth about their characters is that Peta is really charming and good with the crowd and Gail is really not. Like, we never really see him in, like, an interview situation like, like Katniss and Peter are forced to go through. But, like, just think, like, just think about it. I mean, like, he was never going to be that good at that. And, like, neither is Katniss. That is not her strength at all. And I think that they have a lot in common in that, too. But, like, that is, that's Peter's thing. Like, that's what he's good at. And so, you know, I think that that would have already, like, the whole star-crossed lovers thing. Even if Gail got up on stage and was like, oh, my God, yeah, I'm in love with Katniss. It would never have had the weight that Peta's did like you know what I'm saying and also the fact that they were already so close but Peta had the whole angle of like she never really noticed me until now like that like it just wouldn't have worked in the same way so there is no way that both of them would have ended up getting out of that alive is all I'm gonna say um and like I don't know they're both skilled fighters they're both smart they both have the survivor skills like who would have won between them I don't know I don't think that either one would ever kill the other but like I don't know the whole like yeah the whole romance thing even if they tried to do that it wouldn't have worked the way that it did with Peter Malark.
What was Plutarch's plan if the mutts got close to killing Katniss and Peeta? Could he control the sector at all slash make the sector end sooner? I, I think that, yes, he is the head game maker. Like, he has, he has control over the arena. He could try to help them out as much as possible. But, but a lot of it just came down to, one, faith in the people that he had placed in the arena, basically, to protect them. Like, Finnick, Joanna, Wyvers and Beattie, like, all those people that were part of this plan. Who were whose job it was to look out for Katniss and Peeta, specifically Katniss, obviously. Um, but also I think that a lot of it came down to like, we just gotta hope for the best, you know? Because it was never, well, book canon here. It was never his plan that he says and that we know of for Katniss and Peeta to actually be tributes. He like when he flashes her the 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 watch with like the Mockingjay symbol. Um, it's basically supposed to be tipping them off like as mentors and to show that he's on their side, not because he thinks that they are going to be in the arena themselves. And so then it would have been like Snow's plan to to make the victors be the ones who are going to be the tributes for the Quell because we know that it was changed. I mean, in the book, we don't know for certain. It's just like heavily implied because, like, what were the odds that that was what the original quarter quell was supposed to be? However, in the movie, which this is actually a deleted scene, but it's still pretty clear because there's this conversation between Plutarch and Snow where Snow is like, Katniss is a problem. I've been saying we need to do something about it. And then Plutarch is like, I have an idea. It's what we game makers like to call a wrinkle. And then it goes to them literally announcing the quarter quell. But there was a deleted scene in there originally where we see Plutarch go and switch out the envelopes with like the rules for the quell inside. So he puts in one that says like the victors are going to be the tributes. But in the book, that wasn't really the plan. So I think that once he found out they were going into the arena, he's like, okay, I need to make sure like I have people in there who can try to protect them, but like also, and I'll do my best in the room, but also like we kind of just got to hope. Okay, this next one I'm really excited to talk about. And I think I actually like teased this a bit last week. because it's something I have thought about and I'm glad someone asked it. Do you think PETA helped Katniss at the center circle as it's stated he made it also? So this is referring to at the end of Mockingjay when Katniss, when they hatch their plan basically of like how they're going to get Katniss to Snow to assassinate him. And so, and then that's when like all the pods start going off at the city circle. And that's when Prim dies, obviously, and the bombs are dropped. Um, and we find out afterwards that Peta is also in the burn unit because he he had also made it to City Circle and and been injured in the explosions like Katniss was, which meant he was close enough to have been burned by them and like semi severely from what we can tell based on like what little information we have about his recovery. And so the question is basically saying like, did he help Katniss because she like was very very close to the explosion, so like in theory someone could have pulled her away. Yeah, I absolutely do believe that happened um, because I like it makes me feel crazy and I want it. And there's no real like concrete canon evidence to disprove that. So I'm choosing to believe in it. In the movie, he stays back at Tigress's. So like probably this didn't happen in the movie. But in the book, I absolutely think that he did. I think that he was because he he was trailing behind them. But like he was supposed to be close enough that he could like keep an eye on them so once things got chaotic he was probably trying to make his way to them because he would have realized that because Katniss is like I hope he went back to Tigress's once he realized that he didn't need to cause a distraction because like there's everything is going on anyway 
But then we obviously know that he didn't do that. And so I think that once he realized what was going on, he would have tried to make his way to Katniss and Gale, but like given everything that was going on, it would have been really difficult. But he obviously got close enough for when the explosions went off to be injured. And so he probably saw what was unfolding through the chaos, saw Katniss like running in that direction. And this was obviously after Gale had been captured too. So she was completely on her own. And so I do love to believe that he like pulled her out of the fire, basically. Maybe I'm just delusional, but I do want it to be true badly. So the next one, just asking my thoughts on Kato and Clove. Listen, guys, I know that a lot of fans are like really obsessed with Kato and Clove. I think all the discussion around them is kind of weird. Because you have some people who are like, I literally hate them. And I'm like, okay, in many ways, they are the antagonists of the first book. However, the whole point is that they are also victims. And I talked about this earlier when I was talking about Kadem. They're also victims of the system. They've literally been raised their entire lives just to go fight and probably die in these games. The difference is that they don't necessarily realize it because it's always been marketed as like a point of pride to them. Whereas people from District 12, it's more of like a death sentence because people from District 12 don't win. So they don't even think they have a chance, you know? It's extremely rare. But for the people of the career districts, they often do win. And so it's very like, oh, you need to win and like bring... Then there's like what Cato says in that monologue I was talking about where he's like, that's what it's all about, right? Bringing pride to my district. But he says it in a way that he's like bitter. He's like realizing that he's just been used his entire life. And so I think that in that way, they're very interesting characters. However... I think it's weird. Some people's obsession with them is weird. And I'm not talking about people being like, oh, they're really interesting characters. I'm talking one about the people who are like, I think Kato should have won or I think Clove should have won. And I'm like, that's weird. Also, the people that are like, they would have won if it weren't for Katniss, like being the main character. And I'm like, okay, sure. In this fictional universe you are creating where there's no plot and it's just the 74th Hunger Games, maybe one of them would have won maybe not because again like Katniss was already very skilled she probably could have still won anyway won anyway but also like this is part of a series and there's a narrative like I don't understand why people are so obsessed with the idea of like one of them should have won also the people that are like they were the real star-crossed lovers once again why and also it's just weird it like it's really giving like I have to be and again, I'm not saying this about everyone who likes their characters. I'm saying about like this really specific subsection of people. It's giving like, I am more interesting because I think that these side characters who you're not supposed to really root for or dislike, you're supposed to feel bad for them, are better than the main characters. I'm just going to say it. That doesn't make you interesting or cool. It really doesn't. Like, and again, I think that they're really interesting characters when you view them as victims like you're supposed to. Like, Suzanne Collins very clearly intends you to view them that way. But it's just, like, I don't understand the, like, weird obsession that some people have with being, like, they should have won or they should have been the main characters. And I'm like, "Mm, but no, they shouldn't have, though. (laughs) Like, I, like, I'm sorry, but, like, Katniss is the main character for a reason. She was the only one who could have been the main character of that series and had it work the way it did. So anyway, that's just my 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 opinion on that. So sorry, but to be honest, anyway, those are my thoughts on them. Um, this next one. Have you ever or have you considered wait, have you ever or have you considered writing or reading Hunger Games fan fiction? Have I read Hunger Games fan fiction? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, shout out to 
one of the greatest pieces of literature I've ever read. It's called PETA's Games on Archive of Our Own. And it's like literally, and I'm sure so many people have heard of it. This is the first fanfic everyone brings up when you talk about the Hunger Games. And it's a retelling about, of like the entire series, like novel length retellings in like really accurate detail. But it's all from PETA's perspective, um, which as you can imagine is like really emotionally damaging. So if you decide to read it, good luck. It was a lot. But I think that the author of that story had a really good understanding of PETA's character. Um, and this is where I want to say, I have not actually ever written Hunger Games fan fiction, which is kind of surprising. I do write, I'm going to just like put myself out there as a Star Wars fan um, because I am. Aside from Hunger Games, it's my favorite franchise. I do have a Hunger Games podcast, or not Hunger Games podcast, but I do have a Hunger Games podcast. Hello. But I also have a Star Wars podcast with my friend. Anyway, um, if you listen to that, yeah, you know it's such a good time. But so I do write fan fiction on occasion. Um, I have never actually written Hunger Games fan fiction. And the reason why, I don't really know how to say this without it sounding like kind of stupid, but whatever. One, I, a lot of times when I write fan fiction, it's because there is something that I'm like, I think this should have gone differently, you know? Or like, this didn't get the chance to happen. But like, I think that The Hunger Games is really good, obviously. And there's not a lot of things that I'm like, I would have done this differently or like wish this had gone differently. Like, I think that it's just really good as is. Um, But also because like, I feel like I have a really deep understanding of these characters, but I just know that I could never write them that well. Like in a way that I think would do their characters justice because they're just so well-developed and like I could never... I could never do it as well as Suzanne Collins, which I know is not the point, but like, I just can't, like, I can't bring myself to do it. And I don't ever feel the need to, because I'm like, the things that I want to read about are already there in the series. But I do read sometimes on occasion. I am really toxic though, because like, I usually won't read fan fictions that are from Haymitch's point of view, because some people just don't understand him like I do. Okay. And like, that's so like, like, not to say that I'm his biggest fan and I understand him better than anyone else, but, like, maybe I do. Maybe I am. Um, and, it like, it makes me, like, annoyed when I will read a fanfic where he's, like, mischaracterized. And I'm like, you don't understand him like I do. Maybe I should publish my own Hamish fanfiction. I've thought about it. I don't know. It's just, like, such a daunting task to me to write fanfiction. Anyway. But, yeah, now you, now you know that I write Star Wars fanfiction, so... Um, good luck finding it. It's actually not that hard to find. Like, I'm not, it's not, it's not a secret, but, but whatever. Point is, no, I have not ever written any, but I do read a lot and I recommend PETA's games. So go read that. Um, someone asked, or someone said, would love a bit on religion in Penem. And like, I do, I have thought about this before because like, we, they never really talk about religion within the series. Um, and obviously this takes place like far, far in the future after like the literal downfall of society. Um, so like things have probably changed outside of like what we see in the series. However, this is not a conversation that I feel that I can have in the like few minutes that are going to be left of this episode because I've been talking for a while. But I will say that I obviously I do think that some form of religion still exists or like multiple religions because obviously like this takes place in like future dystopian United States after like 
or like North America as a whole, but like specifically the area of the United States is, t- is like mainly where Panem is located. And so I think that there are probably still several religions out there. It's just a like question of either, and this is like seen in a lot of like post-apocalyptic media of like, there are some people who after all these terrible things have happened who are like, obviously, you know, I, I don't, I choose not to believe in anything. Cause like, you know, if there was like some higher power out there, why didn't they do anything about this? And then you have the flip side, the like far flip side of that of people being like, something terrible has happened. I really need something to believe in now. And so then those people like would become religious. Some people would lose their religion. And so I think there's probably a lot more of that in this kind of society because everything is to such an extreme and everything is like really bad most of the time. Um, The thing that I would be really interested though is like religion within the capital in particular, because like, how are you gonna justify the things that you're doing under your religion? And do you care enough to like hold those religious beliefs? And that's something that I would be interested in learning more about. But yeah, I do think about it sometimes. And I think it's a very interesting topic. I just literally don't have time to get it. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, the first three Hunger Games novels, all incredible. As I've said, Mockingjay is my favorite. As I've said, Hamish is my favorite character. In terms of the movies, Catching Fire is definitely my favorite. It's like probably my favorite movie of all time. And by probably, I mean, it definitely is. Um, <laughs> my favorite scene in the series, I talked about this earlier. It's the scene with Hamish and Katniss in his house where he's like, where she's like, can you please save PETA this time? I'm sorry, now I'm just thinking about this in a different scene, but it's kind of related. Um, when she's like, God, Catching Fire for Hamish and Katniss. What a book. Um, when she's like, is it true that you chose me? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, why? You like him better. And he's like, that's true. But he seemed really determined to get you out alive. And I figured between the two of us, we might just be able to get you home. Oh my gosh, they're trying to ruin my life. Suzanne is out to get me always. Um. Anyway, that's not really related. In terms of like overarching themes of the series, I kind of talked obviously throughout about a lot of these. The big one being like war theory and like what is an actual war in reality mean for the participants for the victims for the people that make it out those who don't um and also a big one being like exploitation of children because obviously like this whole series is based around the hunger games which are all children but like they're they're obviously the victims here and then like the sort of balance between like peace and violence and like when is peace the answer? When is violence the answer? Because it's not always one or the other. Like, yes, this war was a necessity, but yes, the period of peace afterwards is also a necessity. Like, both things have to exist. And like, again, like, yes, this rebellion had to be fought because we couldn't allow the capital to stay in power because they were also like a system of violence. But like, when is it too much, you know? And then also just like, through all of that, love and joy, family and and like community are all very important and like things that can kind of get lost when you're in such a like widespread, you know, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like obviously the entire country is, is fighting a war at this time, but like how do you find the time to experience joy or like learn how to experience joy again after all these terrible things have happened? And then obviously um, like responses to grief and trauma and how those can vary from person to person and like what might be healthy or what might be unhealthy and like 
the more extreme ends of that, like the, the more extreme, like unhealthy responses to trauma and like learning how to allow yourself to grieve because obviously Katniss is a character who experienced a lot of trauma, who has a lot to grieve. And like, sometimes she's not going about that in the most productive way. And then sometimes she learns how to actually process her emotions there's obviously a lot more in there, but those are the ones that kind of stick out to me as being like the key themes. Um, for Ballad, which I'll talk about a lot, Suzanne literally said that the reason that she wrote it was to explore the like state of nature debate, which is basically like, are people born evil or are they raised that way or is it both? And like, who better to explore that with, with Snow than Snow, who is like, we know how evil he is and so when we get to go back to him as a teenager it's like did he was he just born like that did something happen what what's the deal here um and I think it was done in a really productive way because sometimes when you get into that debate it ends up being like oh this person like yeah they committed a bunch of crimes and like killed people and did literally the most horrible things but like oh they're so sad I feel so bad for them yeah that was never going to work. That never really works. I'm going to be honest. Like we, yes, we can feel like we can feel badly for people that will go on to be villains within a series and like also find their characters very compelling, but it's not productive to be asked to like excuse everything they've ever done because like, oh, they had a sad upbringing. Um, This book does a really good job of like sort of balancing it where like you you do feel emotions for snow yes but you're never like oh so sad like I feel so bad for him he like I kind of get why he did all that stuff now it's never like that which I know was my fear and a lot of other people's fears um and so I was really grateful that that wasn't like the road that we went down (laughs) so get excited wow I'm glad I started with the questions because that took up basically the full amount of time so good thing I didn't start with other stuff and then run out of time Thank you all for sending in the questions though. Um, You can always send me questions anytime and I will make time to answer them in the episodes. Even if something comes up about the original books that you didn't get to ask, feel free to send it and I'll answer it. Obviously any questions about Ballad, please send them my way um, because I have a lot of thoughts about that book and I would love to answer them. Thanks for joining me this week on Tales of Panam. Next week is the first week of the month. So I'll be doing my monthly character study episode. And this one will be about Gail Hawthorne. We're really going to dig into it, guys. We're really going to dig into it. If you have any specific questions or topics you'd like me to cover, you can DM them to me on any social media or send them to my email, which is talesofpanem at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would be very appreciated. Thanks again for listening, and I'll be back next week.